Welcome to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. J.J. Jerez here, Arif Dean, covering that 3-2 overtime victory over the Carolina Hurricanes on the road to an impressive win from the Avalanche because they really kind of had to scrape and claw at that, one, at that one. Obviously, we know the discrepancy in shot count, but I think tonight is all about Pavel Francouz, Arif. I mean, what a fantastic game out of him. And honestly, if Twitter didn't steal the spotlight for it apparently <laughs> about to shut down, I think either so Frankie fine. or Francouz would have been trending tonight, but, but Twitter stole the show. Yeah, so the Carolina Hurricanes' souls died quicker than Twitter when that Lekkonen goal went in. That's my that's my zinger for the night. Um, <laughs> holy crap! Good try. Performance. I, I'm trying. It's <laughs> it's a failure, almost like Elon Musk running Twitter. There's my second zinger. Hey yo, you're uh, on fire! <laughs> all right, so holy crap! What a performance by the Avalanche, like or by just, just sorry. By Pavel Francouz, the only guy that pretty much showed up. Like, I've never seen a more one-sided game for the Avalanche, and that includes that 2016-17 season. There have been some stinkers in the past. I remember there were years where the Avalanche were had would have 11 or 12 shots against, I think, the Anaheim Ducks or the Detroit Red Wings, like, you know, back in the early lockout years when Peter Budai was in goal and, and you know, those years. But to be the defending Stanley Cup champions— Obviously, we know the injuries. And to have that kind of a performance and have your goalie stand on his head that way says all you need to know about the good vibes. We're talking great vibes that come with being a team like the Avalanche for them to find a way to squeak out that victory. I look back to last week, right, when Pavel Francis was also in net for the 4-1 win over Carolina at home. And you and I were really kind of taken back by Pavel Francouz's post-game comments, calling it the best game they had played all season, right? So I think there was some confidence in there of the team <laughs> knowing how to play against Carolina right now. I mean, despite the the imbalance in the lineup, right, I think Carolina has a really star-studded lineup. I mean, maybe star is a, a stretch, but they've got some big names on their team, and the Avalanche, you know, playing with almost an entire line of AHLers, uh, you know, it, it was a challenge. It's an uphill battle, but I think the Avalanche knew exactly the structure to play, exactly what Carolina was going to throw at him and you even heard that a little bit from Pavel Francouz's post-game comments today he said um, we we knew how they were going to play and they play they throw a lot of shots from outside and I think that's what you saw he controlled them well he saw them well and what he really did well tonight was control the rebounds he was swallowing everything and um, you know just catching things in his glove keeping things in his gut I mean Pavel Francouz really deserves um, some stick taps for beating a really good team twice in a row and, and only allowing yeah. three goals in in six periods there that's pretty crazy like just to think think about it like that but look that's the game that the carolina hurricanes play they they do this thing where the like the rod brindamore tactic is to throw everything at the net from the blue line like you said from the half wall from the slot wherever you can uh jump on the rebounds keep going keep going keep going it's not about shot quality it's shot quantity because hey i don't blame them Hockey's a very lucky sport with a rubber thingy that bounces on ice and hits people and goes in. You know, this isn't the NBA where, you know, a shot accidentally trickles into the like into the hoop. Like you have to have some bit of luck on your side to score in the NHL. And the more shots you take, the better the chance you're going to have of scoring. So the Carolina Hurricanes did that over and over and over and over. And, and and their first goal, they got it. And then the second goal, obviously, was that miscommunication with Andreas Englund, which we'll talk about. 
and that's what it needed for them to even get a tying goal. And then they had that power play late in regulation, and Frankie was still standing on his head, and the Avalanche found a way to weather that storm as well. So it's just wild to see just how good. And I, I love that you brought that up, by the way, what he said last week, because that's true. Like, he literally did say, I feel like this is the best game we've had all season. And if we came in there today and asked him the same thing, he would have been like, all right, nope, today's the best <laughs> shittiest game we've played all season. So that's just pretty wild that both of them are victories, and they got four of four points against the Hurricanes in that stretch. And credit to Jared Bednar for going back to Frankie on this one, right? I mean, I know he loves to kind of look at what you've done against the team you're, that's coming in or the, the team that you're facing. Um, but, you know, Georgiev has been able to get a lot of rest during this time too, right? He's only played two games in the last two weeks. Frankie's played two games in the last two weeks. So allowing your starter to get a little bit of a break, um, you know, after the Finland trip as well, kind of let him reset, especially with the uh, stretch that they have ahead. And just knowing that Frankie is more than capable of taking – care of the Carolina Hurricanes not only that he kind of seems to thrive playing against them I mean we didn't just see a goalie taking care of business today we saw a goalie carrying the weight and leading the way yeah and the wild part about it is I don't know if you caught on altitude he had a post-game interview there I think you probably did with with Kyle Keefe he just like it was the same Frankie in the Western Conference final that literally had to get the avalanche to the Stanley Cup final he's so laid back he never seems like he's stressed. He never seems like he's 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 under any kind of pressure or nervous or anxious or anything. He's just a guy that likes playing hockey and went out there and made 40-something saves doing what he enjoys doing on a Thursday night somewhere in Carolina for some reason. Like, it's just the, the way that this guy goes about his business, he's still competitive as hell, but the way he goes about his business, like... I wish I had half of the, the like the, the the mental mindset that this guy does to be able to do something like that without getting rattled because that takes a lot of patience and it takes some kind of a special human to be like that. So he he was made for this kind of a game. He was made to be put in these kinds of situations. As far as being able to handle yourself like like Fransuz and keeping kind of that stone cold appearance, I don't think you can say the same for Alex Newhook tonight, right? He definitely was wearing his emotions <laughs> on his sleeves. He was the one in the box there late in the third period. The Avs had a God. big kill, and you could just see it on his face. He's like, oh, man, please don't score here. Please don't let me be the reason that we lose this game because he finally got to – get that weight off his shoulder, score a big goal tonight, and you could tell with the celebration just what it really meant to him. So, um, you know, shout out to Alex Newhook. He could, you could just see it in his face, the the passion he was having for the game tonight, not just in the penalty box, but earlier on um, when they flashed to him after the after the goal, he just has that driven face on, right, just focused, and, and he had the same uh, coming out of the gate in the third period. So, unfortunate he was in the box. Good thing they killed it, but... Um, good for him to get that goal and, and kind of play a little bit better of a game tonight. Who had the bigger exhale, in your opinion? Andreas Englund when Lekkonen <laughs> scored or Alex Newhook when the buzzer sounded for regulation? Oh, that, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure. It might be uh, Alex Newhook because at least he still knows he'll probably be in the NHL tomorrow. I'm not sure I know Andreas Englund. No, no, no. I think, it's, I think it's Englund for that reason. I think Englund looked at this and said, holy shit, if we, if, if, you know, if the Avalanche lost that game, let's say the, the penalty at the end on Newhook and, and the Hurricane score, he's going to sit there and be like, holy shit, I'm getting sent down halfway through this flight to Washington. While Newhook knows, like, yeah, it sucks, but hey, at least he's still going to be in the NHL. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's just funny to think of, like, first of all, let's, let's stay away from Englund for a second and talk about Newhook. 
it's funny to think of what you just said. Like this guy finally comes out, scores a big goal. And I tweeted it when the goal happened. Like the avalanche needed that goal. That was a big, big goal because it was one, nothing for them. And then the Carolina hurricanes tied it and just kept going and going and going. And the avalanche were trying to weather the storm. And suddenly you blink twice and new hooks on a breakaway and scores. They needed that goal more than ever, but he needed that goal more than anything. And to have that switch to, I'm trying to lift some guy's stick and accidentally high stick him and end up in the box with a minute and a half left in regulation, minute 40 something or whatever, left in regulation in a game where the Hurricanes are putting up almost a shot a minute is just wild. And I can't even imagine what that dude felt sitting in that box watching those last 30 seconds tick off of regulation like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. So just, just great to see the Avalanche find a way to weather that storm. And hey, I love the fact that they were able to do that because last game it was their power play that couldn't get it done in the final minute. And it was nice to see that they were able to shut down somebody else's power play in the final minute this time. Good call. Good call. And not not only that, they had a power play goal of their own, right? That's kind of what got the scoring going early. Uh, Evan Rodriguez kind of just throwing the puck at the net when he saw the opportunity. Uh, just kind of a testament to how he thinks the game and he, he knows when those opportunities are in front of him and he tries to seize them. But, um, you know, I, I that was the type of play where I feel like McKinnon deserved the assist, right? Not, not only because I had the over on power play assist for him. Um, but he really got the dirty work done in the corner there. I mean, I joke. I don't really think he got the assist. But I, I just uh, wanted to point out that he really made that goal happen by uh, going off and, and getting in the corner. Nathan McKinnon style, wanting it more than anybody. I mean, yeah, that's that's the beauty of this top power play unit with Rodriguez on it right now is knowing that McKinnon, who's usually a shot option, could be in the corner doing the thing that you usually have Val Nachushkin or Gabe Landeskog doing, mucking it up, getting the puck out of that corner, and knowing very well that there's another guy there that likes to shoot as much as McKinnon does in Rodriguez. And I'm just, again, I've been saying it since training camp. I love how Rodriguez just loves to throw everything at the net. You know it's going to end up going in. And for him, that's now his sixth goal in what? The Avalanche are up to 14 games and he had nothing in the first four. So what is that? Six goals in his last eight games? Shout out to me for the math and shout out to Rodriguez for the scoring ability. It's, it's great to see what this guy's bringing to the top unit, knowing very well that as the season winds down, assuming the Avalanche get some, you know, hockey god luck on their side and not have crazy injuries all the way through the playoffs, but knowing very well that at the end of this regular season, he's probably not going to be on that top power play unit. He's probably not going to be in the top six, but right now they need him to step up and he's doing it. Yeah, see if you can do this math or if you already know this stat off the top of your head, that'd be awesome. But uh, I, I feel like the Avalanche have scored a power play goal in almost every game i mean it has to be at least 90 percent of their games um and yeah it's good to see evan rodriguez performing on that unit but i think it's also amazing to see what the power play is doing i mean almost single-handedly keeping this team afloat right i mean without it who knows where they'd be right now but um it's performing at an amazing clip and so as long if the rest of this team is struggling as long as you got this power play secret weapon in your back pocket then um you know you're always going to be in games and i'd like to see their record after scoring a power play goal i'm sure it's pretty strong too um but yeah this power play seems to be one of the key pieces that's keep the key pieces of glue that's keep holding this team together right now yeah uh, holding it as much as you tried to hold that sentence together. So good job. Thank you. you got I got it. it. I got it out, though. You, you did it. You got it. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what their record is when they score a power play goal, but I'm 
sure, like you said, that it's it's probably one of the better records in the NHL. They had one against the Blues the other day and couldn't win that game. But regardless, this team right now, they are up to, I believe, with tonight's victory, 18 power play goals, which is one back of the Edmonton Oilers. Believe it or not, somebody has one more goal on the power play than them. But the Avalanche obviously have had fewer opportunities. The Avalanche have had just 46 opportunities compared to the Oilers having 60. So this goes back to the thing, and you know, may he rest in peace, Peter McNabb always used to say was he's not too concerned over the teams that have the better power play percentage. He wants you to have the most power play goal. So the Edmonton Oilers having one more power play goal than the Avalanche, even though it took them 14 more opportunities, still counts on the scoreboard as one more goal, and that's the stat you want. So for the Avs, knowing that their power play is this strong, knowing that they win a lot of games when they get on the power play, they're going to have to start generating a little bit more than just 46 opportunities in 14 games before tonight. Because And and what did they have tonight? Two chances, I believe? Like, not many as well. So this power play is strong. They win a lot of games. It was three, I believe. The, this power play is strong. They win a lot of games with the, when they score on the man advantage, but they're going to need to draw more penalties. Yeah, I dig it because you almost feel every time they do, man, do they have more more than a fighting chance to bury one there. Um, let's take a quick pause here about halfway through our episode to talk about Total Beverage. Guys, everybody knows Total Beverage in both Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? On top of that, they have two fantastic locations, big, clean, beautiful stores so if you don't know it's time to get to know total beverage again stop by on 104th and thorn or on sheridan and westminster and see for yourself or you can always find weekly deals events and even drink recipes online at totalbev.com total beverage everything you need and more and if you don't know now you know now you know um Arif, before the uh, game i was driving around because i guess that's one of the nice things about having the five o'clock start not only do we get to squeeze in a good post-game podcast but um, I'm still in my car during the uh, Altitude Radio pregame, right? And I love catching that Jared Bednar pregame interview. And in it today, he was talking about that fourth line and, and what he expects from them or what he expected from them tonight. And what he basically said was nobody's going to outwork them. Now, I don't know if I was able to keep such a close eye on them to see if they were really just outworking everybody every shift, but it was kind of those instances, a lot like with defenders, where you just didn't really notice them too much. So you had to assume there wasn't too big of a mistake. I mean, I even remember at one point I saw um, Andreas Englund and Kale McCarr on the ice with Dryden Hunt, Anton Bleed, and Jason Magna. So I guess, how do you think that they played? I mean, what did you notice from that fourth line, and, and do you think that they outworked their opposition i mean look this the the fourth line there's only so much they can bring to the table when they're playing the minutes they're bringing which or the, the minutes that they're playing which for them was 558 for jason magna 554 for dryden hunt and the new guy 551 anton bleed but in those five minutes again there's only so much they can do but in those five minutes anton bleed had four hits jason magna had four hits uh dryden hunt had a couple shots and a hit and obviously, he's the least physical of the bunch. You know, this is an energy line. This is what they're made to do. And this goes back to the conversation we had the other day. And why I felt, you know, that Anton Bleed was the right guy for this line is Sample Ranta isn't going to give you much when he's playing five minutes. He's a guy that if he's playing in the NHL, needs an opportunity to play with skilled players that can generate offense because that's what he does. 
Anton Bleed, Jason Megna, these are guys that understand the assignment at hand, which is go out there, hit everybody you can. And you saw that game. It was a physical as hell game. The Carolina Hurricanes were coming at the Avalanche in droves with the hits, let alone, you know, not just the shots, but with the hits too. It was a game where the Avalanche out hit them 28 to 18. And it was Megna and Bleed that each had four despite playing less than six minutes. That's the kind of line that you need that's the kind of performance you need from a line that's being built of AHLers and guys that are going to play five or six minutes that need to be useful in those five or six minutes just guys that earn their living playing fourth line style hockey right bingo uh, I absolutely get that and I mean yeah you, you have to have a line like that right now because you know that's kind of just your stereotypical orthodox fourth line right that and, and the style that they're playing and with kind of the west the way the rest of the lineups looking right now you need some stability and something that you can count on and, and a style of play that you can count on from those guys so um yeah i think they played just fine and I, i'm not sure i mean obviously the offense left more to be desired from everybody on the lineup so um i, I think from a defensive standpoint you you like what they did tonight yeah of course i mean that's that's what you want and <laughs> I mean, from a defensive standpoint, I feel like everybody left a little bit more to be desired. But uh, for the most part, that's that's about as good a that's about as good a performance that you can get. Like I said, from a fourth line built of AHL guys and guys that you're plugging into the bottom of your lineup because you're five or six injuries deep. Right on. So I guess looking ahead, we'll only have one game between now and our next podcast, and that's going to be against the Washington Capitals in Washington. Um, Obviously a struggling team, the Washington Capitals are, but have a lot of weapons and have a lot of guys that are familiar with the style of play that the Avalanche like to run, and by a lot, I mean two. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Albe-Kubel, who if you forget like I do every time I see his name, is now a Washington Capital because he was claimed off waivers for the second year in a row. He signed with the Maple Leafs, and obviously in goal... One Darcy Kemper, who has the night off today against the St. Louis Blues, because they're probably holding him for that game against the Avs. Uh, the Blues, by the way, are up 4-2 to two right now on the cap, so they're about to win their fifth straight game after losing eight straight games after winning three straight games. So they'll be getting eight. Um, funny record there. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those games that you probably should win despite the injuries because the team on the other side also has injuries. It's Backstrom. It's... Uh, it's Wilson. It's a couple of their defensemen. I think Carlson's out. They've been hit by the injury bug as well. I know. I think Connor Sherry's out, Carl Hagelin. So the Avalanche should go into that game and win that game. But then again, they also shouldn't have won today, and they did. So, you know, it's hockey. Anything happens. But that's a game in Washington on the road that if you can, you know, get that victory too before you take on Dallas, which is the team that you're trying to catch in your division right now, uh, would be huge for the Avalanche. Because when you look at the standings right now in the division, the Dallas Stars are 10-5-2. The Avalanche are 9-5-1. So if they can go into Dallas with a 10-5-1 record for that last road game of the road trip, would be massive. You and I have talked in seasons past often about how kind of the recipe to beat the Avalanche a little bit is to play a physical style, try to knock them off their game, try to not let them use their speed, right? And I think we saw Carolina yeah. really work at that um, tonight. And there are a couple instances, even with Kale McCarr, especially, right, where you're holding your breath and saying, oh, goodness, please don't be hurt. So, um, you know, I'm just hoping that other teams don't catch on to that too much yeah. and don't try too hard to play a physical style because a couple of these guys are hanging on by a thread and the Avalanche just can't afford very many more yeah. injuries. Yeah, when you, but, when you saw Kale McCarr kind of, you know, 
labor to the bench there. You're like, that's that's not the guy you want to get hurt right now. By the way, Kale McCart, 32 minutes, 48 seconds of ice time. So Heavy workload. Just heavy workload. Wild. Nathan McKinnon played 22-14, and that was less than 10 minutes fewer than Kale McCart played. Wow. Or wow. sorry, so, more, yeah. more than 10 minutes fewer than Kale McCart played, I should say. Just crazy. I think that um, that's kind of Washington. That's the way they like to play, though, right? They like a physical style. They want to kind of get into that game with yep. you. So um, we'll see kind of how that shakes out. And if the Avalanche can make it back to Denver by next Wednesday <laughs> in one piece because they yeah. still got to stop in Dallas as well, another heavy team. Yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be it's gonna be a tough road trip. Look, this isn't going to be an easy trip. Uh, one of the guys to look out for for the Washington Capitals is Garnett Hathaway. He plays quite a few minutes now with all the injuries. He plays 10 to 12 minutes a night, and he's always got four, five, six hits a night. He's one of those bruisers. Uh, if Curtis McDermott was in the lineup, you know that them two would be sniffing each other out during the pregame warm-up, but um, that's somebody to keep an eye on. And, you know, even their higher-scoring guys, some of their defensemen, Martin Fervery likes to throw the body around. Obviously, number eight there, Alex Ovechkin likes to throw the body around. Nick Jensen's a bigger D-man. So quite a few guys are probably going to be coming at the Avalanche, similar to how the Carolina Hurricanes did today. Indeed. Well, I don't know. I feel like there's not much else to talk to touch on from that game. Uh, obviously, you want to get more shots, generate more offense. But, hey, walking away with Ws, that's, just, that's what the Avalanche have been doing, even through – uh, the aches and pains, they're still figuring out ways to win. So um, what more can you ask for right now? Yeah, 5-1 and one in their last six games. I know that loss against the St. Louis Blues kind of rubbed everybody the wrong way and kind of sucked a little bit of energy out of this team, but they're 5-1 and one in six games, and Val Nachushkin hasn't played in seven or eight of them. Gabe Land In the last seven or eight, Gabe Landeskog hasn't played all season. Darren Helm hasn't played all season. Byram and Gerrard have missed quite a few now, so... This, this team is finding ways to win. And, and the most important part about tonight's victory is Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and Miko Rantanen didn't produce any offense on the score sheet, I should say. They did not pitch in with any points. And it was Eric Johnson, Josh Manson, Alex Newhook, Evan Rodriguez, Devon Taves, JT Comfer, and Arturi Lekkonen. Those were the guys that each had a point. Those were the pretty much the only NHLers left in the lineup outside of the top line. Uh, and the Avalanche still found a way to win. Yeah, you love the way Josh Manson moved that puck up. I mean, that's just a staple of the Avs defenseman, yeah. right? And he he he's able to dominate that skill set. I wouldn't say dominate. He sometimes passes <laughs> it to the wrong team. But um, he has that in his repertoire, and, and that's what makes him such a great fit. We forgot to uh, acknowledge that pass. Yeah, that, that was big because that was, again, that was during the time where the Carolina Hurricanes were just coming at the Avalanche in droves, and, and suddenly you blink twice, there's a face-off, and new hook's on a breakaway. And it was because of that pass from Josh. Right on. Well, sending everybody into the weekend with good, positive vibes. Hope everybody has a, a fun time, and we'll be back Sunday for our longer edition of the podcast. So, Arif, any closing thoughts heading into Washington on Saturday? Nothing, really. I, I would assume Georgiev's going to get out there and face off against Darcy Kemper. Uh, I would assume we're going to get some kind of a fancy video of Nicholas Obey-Kubel receiving his Stanley Cup ring before or after the game, probably before the game like Berkey did. Uh Cadres was after the game because that was a back-to-back, -back, so there was no morning skate. But uh, that'll be fun to keep an eye on. Other than that, you just got a one game at a time until these guys get healthy and uh, get back to a reasonably reasonable NHL lineup because right now they're they're struggling. Yeah, but again, still getting wins, and that's all you really can care about. So. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll be back Sunday. If you made it this far on the podcast, bless that pretty little heart of yours. 
Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.